The Incomparable. Number 494. December 2019. everyone to The Incomparable. I'm Moises Chuyan and joining me for our third of three panels because uh, if you're going to do a Star Wars panel, why not do three of them to complete the trilogy uh, is a, a truly mighty host of Jedi warriors um, directly to my left uh, in, in the internet terms of things. Uh, my Holmes, this is Cicero Holmes. How's it going? I, the force is strong with everyone. Also joining me, uh, Mr. David J. Lower. Hello there. Um, now I just want to, I just want to get this straight. Are we going to repeat everything from the return of the Jedi panel? We haven't blown the spoiler horn yet, uh, David, uh, just, just a second there. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, next in, in the rotation, the one, the only Tiff Arment. Pew, pew. I'm ready. (laughs) And, uh, and, gigantically backflipping forward uh, at the at the end of the rotation, but certainly not at the end uh, of any of our hearts, uh, Mr. Marco Arment. How's it going, Marco? They fly now? <laughs> <laughs> they fly now. So uh, the movie's been out for a little bit now. Uh, some of us, I presume, have, have maybe seen it a couple of times. Um, uh, ha- has anybody just seen it the once? We have only seen it once, the Arments. Yeah, we only had one opportunity. We would have seen it more. We will see it more, but this time just once. <laughs> David, have you seen it once, twice, three times a lady? I, I have seen it once, but I feel like I've seen it more than once. Oh, boy. You're being powerfully unsubtle, uh, like somebody who shoots lightning <laughs> out of his like fingers. Just like JJ. <laughs> Cicero, have you seen it once, twice? I have seen it twice now. One for each eye. <laughs> okay. I, I have also seen it twice. So to uh, to kick things off and to to maybe shake things up a little bit rather than than go directly into the plot uh, necessarily, I thought uh, we could we could we could go around uh, like a Jedi Council and uh, and and hold forth with with something of an opening statement about how how the movie hit us square in the eyes. Uh, I feel like. Um, there is uh, there there is a hatred boiling within David Lore that if we don't let it out, uh, <laughs> might uh, might boil over on the stove. Uh, so I, I I feel like I should go to David first. David, um, what did J.J. Abrams do to you, and what are you going to do about it? Um, well, he did everything, everything. He didn't make any choices of what to do to me. Um, I should say, I you know I love Star Wars. I I got no problem with Star Wars. And, and I will say that, that this year we have seen a masterclass in how to wrap up a giant saga with tons of plot lines, tons of characters, clarity in all the battle scenes. Good job, Avengers Endgame. Uh, this was also a movie I saw that wrapped up a saga. Um, I didn't I didn't not like it. I mean, it's it's Star Wars. It, it does what it says on the box. It's just. J.J. made a video game. He, he did not make a single story choice. He gave us every option, played them all out simultaneously. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> Statler or Waldorf, uh, take your pick. Cicero, what do you think of the movie? Uh, the, the, my first viewing um, came with lots and lots of tears. Uh, uh, and, and it gave me time for introspection um, where I realized that I have lived with this this series uh this saga 
for the entirety of my life. Um, and, uh, and while I don't necessarily disagree with, with David's assessment of it. Um, and, and, and I think as we talk about the film, I'll just, you know, I will, uh, probably elaborate on, on how I feel about it. But the, the, the thing is that there were a lot of ridiculous conceits that you had to make with this film, but then once you made them and you just kind of sat down and, and watched what they gave you, it was, it was, it was fine. It was good. Um, I enjoyed it. I went along for the ride and, uh, you know, and, and now it's over. Tiff, how'd you feel about it? I really liked it because I'm in the camp now where I just want to enjoy a movie, you know, like I just kind of want to be okay with having fun, be okay with letting go of the the little details that don't make sense or adding in my own one line of dialogue that they happen to miss that explains away something that might have irked me before. And that's how I feel like originally in coming to these kind of movies. And I think about when I saw them when I was a kid and how I saw them as a kid. And I just enjoyed them. I didn't, I didn't look at them so critically to like pull them apart. I just enjoyed them. And they were beautiful and wonderful and fun and fantasy and sad. And it was, it was all these things together. And I was just experiencing the emotions of them. And that's kind of how I went into these final three movies. And especially this one, because we're ignoring, you know, those others that we won't talk about, they won't be named. (laughs) Uh, There are six six movies. There are six movies. I'm very (laughs) firm in that camp. They started at four. (laughs) Yeah, those I can't enjoy. Those go further than like, I can't not anyway. Uh, so <laughs> that's where I'm coming from with this is that these feel so Star Wars. They bring out the humor here and there. They have the love. They have the fight scenes. Love as in like, uh, you know, fan enjoyment. Love is right. what I mean. Um, they have the fight scenes that are just cool. Like, I'm just OK with just being cool. Like, it's it just it, I want to just grab a lightsaber and start fighting, too. That's how it makes me feel. And that's why I, I chose to enjoy this movie. Um, I see the flaws. I do. Uh, I don't think anything is so perfect that I can't make fun of it a little bit because that's also part of how I show my love for something. Uh, but that's where, um, I just, I really liked it. Marco and I came out of the theater and we smiled. We enjoyed it. We had tears. We were crying. It was like the, I'm not crying. You're crying (laughs) moments, but, and it felt like a wrap up. It felt like they, they brought all these characters together, killed some of them off, um, you know, but all in all, no spoiler there because they did it previously. But anyway, like all in all, it was a good conclusion to all these movies and it made me feel wrapped up. It didn't make me feel like there was a loose end or that I was left dangling. Marco, uh, you're, you're famously uncritical. Uh, so I, <laughs> were you able to turn off your analytical brain uh, going into this and just enjoy it? I think so. I mean, you know, building off of what Cicero and, and Tiff were saying, were just saying, like, I went into this movie, not, I'm not a huge nerd about this stuff. I haven't seen a lot of the extended universe stuff. Or and, read, I mean, to be like, fair, you're also not a huge nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. The least nerdiest of nerds. Yeah, right. yeah so pretty like, much. Like, I went into this much more like uh, an average viewer would. Like, I've seen all the movies, but I haven't seen them that many times. And, you know, and, and I haven't gone super deep into the analysis of them i just enjoy them because ultimately like when the original star wars a new hope came out it was enjoyed as just a, a fun good movie in its own right a, a regular like fun action movie it was really good 
And then I like I bet it went through a similar arc back then of like then Empire came out. I mean, I was too young to really be a part of it, but like then Empire came out and it's like, ooh, this went to some darker places. Wow. And then and then Jedi comes out and you know half of everybody has a problem with oh look it got cheesy or whatever, and half of everyone's like oh it wrapped it up nicely, <laughs> you know like. And then you know we're we're repeating that same arc here with this final trilogy, I think. Um, it, it, and if we put too much on these movies, which many of us do, because you know, for many of us this was like a critical part of our childhood, our identity, whatever. Putting too much in this movie, on any, on any of these movies, I feel like is a little unfair. If you just look at it as, this was a really good series of movies, there were some ups and downs, but for the most part it was a really good series. I'm, again, not including the prequels, because <laughs> I, I, I think... The, the what? I yeah, know. Like, I, I, think, right. I think part of the reason why we why the prequels were so hard for us to take is because that they weren't a fun series of movies they they were right. a very unfun right. series of bad movies whereas like the other two trilogies have just been like nice series of action movies and they're it's mostly action you know and like you know like like the, the comparison i believe david said about it that it was like a video game i would argue all of star wars has basically been like a video game uh just sure. different degrees of story around it maybe oh, but like sure. it's it's largely been like a, a series of like you know fun action movies that are kind of general appeal you know there there is some some you know deep theme and morality sprinkled in throughout but it's for the most part it's basically like fun action movies and from that point of view not only did i like this and not only do i think that they that they took what was an impossible task of somehow wrapping up this trilogy in a way that pleases most people which i think no, like nobody should have taken on that job that's an impossible job <laughs> but i think i think jj did a pretty good job with it and we, we you know with what he had to work with with you know having to wrap up all these arcs having all these ex- expectations having all these different needs and and you know forces huh? uh you know pressuring from all different angles i think it was a really good implementation it was a really good wrap-up it wasn't perfect but it was really good it was i think matching the average level of goodness of most of the two main trilogies and in a way that also overall made me come out of there thinking they should stop making these now like this is because i think i think in in a large way that the general themes are getting pretty repetitive and yeah you can you can say oh they can make different types of movies and you know they're trying they have and they might in the future but overall while i really enjoyed this I also think they should be done with this now because, you know, you you have great, you have like the, the young Jedi rising up against the big evil, whatever. And that's just going to keep happening over and over again. If they keep telling these stories. Yeah. With, with no plan, with no plan for how you're going to rebuild government and basic functions of civilization. Right. right. So like we're just going to win. It, we're just going to win. It'll be fine. <laughs> right. Yeah, and then, and then in out. a few years, you know, they're going to rise up again and we'll have to beat them again. Right. And they're going to be even bigger this time. And then so will we, and we'll discover new force powers and they'll discover new evil powers and whatever. Right. It, we're just going to keep ratcheting this up. And I think with this, I think part of the reason I felt kind of video gamey is that they ratcheted it up so high that it's like, all right, now you're at the final boss. It's the whole universe versus the other whole universe and it's like all right all right all right this this is big enough let's stop now because if we keep going it will be too repetitive but with where they got with where they stopped i'm happy with this movie i i accept that there are six movies um i don't i don't want it to go away i i liked it it just it felt very perfunctory to me and some of it you know they couldn't help because you know without carrie fisher and with what footage they had they had to work with what they had you know okay that was fine um but the rest of it 
it was like, I mean, everyone has talked about it being a fetch quest and I'm not going to spoil anything. We'll wait to do the horn. But it's not just that it was a fetch quest for items in this story or things they needed to achieve the end of this actual film, but it was sort of like, here's another thing you've seen from another movie. Here's another moment you've seen. Here's another line. Here's another, oh, someone said I got a bad feeling about this. And there's no pacing to it. There's no time to breathe. There's no time to reflect. Uh, uh, There's no understanding of why these things mean something to the audience as opposed to the characters, because there are a number of things in this. And this is the thing JJ always does. He does these things where, oh, here's this big revelation that only means something to the audience. The characters have no idea what this is. It was the same thing in in uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, where it's where, where Cumberbatch admits, my name is Khan. And the audience and everyone goes, else on screen Ooh. effectively does a, a who? A and what? Like, oh, I don't know yeah. what you mean. How do you spell that? What, what's right, right, that about? Right. You know, and he does that C-O-N? all through this, right? right? You know, and, and so, you know, it works. It works as a video game plot. It's fine. I enjoyed it. It kept me happy while I was watching it. Um, but it also kept me restless, yeah. right? I was restless within the first hour because it was like, okay, yeah, do something to surprise me. Do something new. Do anything. I came out of the movie. Um, very much of two minds. I, I felt, I felt drawn by both sides a, of the force. A light side and a dark side. <laughs> yes, indeed. I, I felt, I felt like I had enjoyed, uh, the experience I had just had, but oh man, that was a lot. That was a lot to process. <laughs> and something, something, uh, big happened in my life in between episode eight and episode nine. And that is my first visit to a Disney theme park. And I, I found th- that my feeling about the rise of Skywalker was was very much along the lines of I had just gotten off of a theme park ride and very specifically Star yeah. Tours, uh, yeah. which I went on a couple of times. And it felt it felt very specifically like everybody shows up to a party thinking that they are getting uh, that the, they are going to sit down for a meal and they get there and there's this enormous sampler platter of a whole bunch of stuff to try to make everybody happy. And inevitably uh, there, there will be people who are completely satisfied by this, uh, by this turn of events. And there are other people that will be left rather unsatisfied and feeling like they got ripped off. And there's no way for anybody uh, for, for you to guarantee that every single person that walks through the door is going to have a great time uh, to the same extent that other people do. So you're saying this is the poo poo platter of Star Wars films? <laughs> not so much. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with the poo poo platter. Right. Um, no, not at all. Enjoys I'll, a poo poo platter. That's <laughs> right. the whole thing. It's um, a good thing. But for me, for me, it, it came down to the more I thought about it coming out of my first screening of it, the more confused I was if that makes sense um, mm. as to as to what what central thing the movie was trying to do and it goes back to something that that David was 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 getting at uh, which is an issue of motivation where it's it's that the characters in a lot of cases are motivated by where the plot needs to move or or the the set piece or the thing that needs to be shown off more than the actual character motivation for as much as um, especially Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker telegraph bits from the original trilogy. The thing, the thing that is is very different to me than the original trilogy movies is Luke Skywalker 
flares on the lightsaber in in the first movie while on the Falcon on the way to what was Alderaan um, and waves it around and is 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 admiring in the wonder of the lightsaber and everything. And I think, you know, this this is where the spoilers start uh, at the very end of this movie. Ray ignites her lightsaber to show it to the audience. And I just I, that's that's something that I keep going back to where I go. It's cool. It's a cool lightsaber. I love the look of it. Ooh, yellow. Neat. Haven't seen that since the <clears throat> the prequels that don't exist uh, or Clone Wars. Um, but that's that's the thing that everything that kind of bugs me about it that would probably not bug me about it as much uh, when I was younger, when I was first getting into these movies is is that specific motivation trap of people are doing things not necessarily because it seems like something that a human being is motivated to do. It's because the plot and the script dictate that it is so, and this is where it happens. And as a result, there, there are various bits where there, there are set pieces that are designed to, to, to throw in a bunch of danger and, and, uh, and worry and anxiety, and there's no danger or worry or anxiety. Uh, and I'm, I'm never really concerned about, I, I, I wasn't even terribly concerned when, uh, they tried to fake out Chewbacca being dead. Um, right. because, uh, that, because was, that was the closest I gives, got. He gives you every oper- every uh, possibility in a story. And it's, it's almost like an interactive game where it's like, oh, if you didn't like this, well, let's reset the level and now we'll go, go on with Chewie being alive or, you know, whatever, whatever the plot point was. We're we're kind of dancing around it, especially uh, Force Awakens and, and Rise, the the JJ versions of uh, in this trilogy. They're theme mm-hmm. park rides. Oh, they're, absolutely! They're very aware of the franchise. You know, like if you go to if you if you go to Disney or if you go to your local Six Flags and they have some theme park ride that is based on some property it is very fourth wall breaking um it is very um evident that the the reason that you're on this ride is to evoke a feeling from a thing that you knew from before and that's what these films are they're theme park rides they you know they you you strap in and they just take you <laughs> along um and i think the moment where where what you were saying moises really stands stands true holds holds up the most is you know that things happen in this film because the plot dictates that they need to there's a moment about halfway through the film where um getting towards the beginning of the third act where 3PO stands up and looks directly yes. into the camera and says I must do this because the stakes are so high, right? Like uh, he says something like, if if I don't do what I need to do, uh, this will all be for nothing. You know, it, you know, there's some 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 ridiculous action hero-y uh, moment or phrasing that he uses that is that would be grown worthy if you are watching a film but you're watching a movie. And I think that's what Kirshner did with empire with empire. And that's what Ryan Johnson did with last Jedi is they took this film friend or this movie franchise and they inserted films into those. 
yeah. and they tried to create things that David was looking for. It was trying to take, take, uh, moments where you could create story and build, um, well, the, the characters get to develop. They get right, to evolve. Right. Yeah, you, you built, you know, yeah, you built some critical analysis and things. And, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, but as a kid and this, and you know what? And, and, and it's funny. I'm just thinking about this right now. As a kid, Empire was my least favorite Star Wars film. And, and it, sh- it bears mentioning when Empire came out, it was not universally loved. It was it oh, was it was outright reviled. Right, yeah. Right. Right. By much various like, people. Much like Last Jedi. Um, the reason as as I've grown as an adult and, you know, as you know, as a as a uh, a bigger kid and, and I've sat back and I've had a chance to be, you know, my as my analytical brain matured and 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 uh, grew and and put on big boy pants, um, I was able to appreciate what what Empire was trying to do for me uh, within this franchise. And the reason that it didn't it didn't resonate with me as a kid is because a new hope and, and especially Jedi are films for kids, films for families, films for um, their movies. Right. And, and empire is trying to be a film. It's trying to make you think it's trying to um, uh, develop characters. It's trying to, 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 Build conversations outside of the two hours that you spend in the theater where you actually think about what is happening and what those things pretend for uh, the characters that that are involved and how it makes you feel beyond, oh, that was so much fun. I really, you know, I left with a smile on my face and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and, and the reason we're here today, the reason that there have been uh, two panels or three panels already on the Incomparable Network is because these films have all made us smile um, to varying levels, varying degrees and, and all of the stuff that has happened uh, since since 77. Uh, um, but this film again i like as i was watching it i watched it last night in 3d 3d was actually pretty good um there were a lot of things that made me groan as a as a grown man but then i realized oh you know what if i take my nine-year-old and uh, you know nine-year-old niece and my 11-year-old nephew to this film they will giggle at those things they fly now is is a laughable moment for them (laughs) And this film Don't forget is so it, Jake. Much... It's Star Tours. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> I so, mean, I laughed. Now, so I <laughs> liked. I liked. They fly now. That's right. that's the way I write. So I liked that moment. The Incomparables, Endless Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker, Spectacular is brought to you by Hrefs. Whether you work for a big brand, run your own small business, or do freelance work, getting traffic to your website is always a challenge. There's so much competition out there on the internet. Hrefs is an all-in-one SEO tool set that solves that problem, giving you the tools you need to rank your website in Google and get tons of search traffic. I have always been frustrated by SEO. In my years at IDG, I had so many SEO consultants. We had so many arguments. We changed things about our website in the hopes that it would make a difference. Sometimes it would. A lot of times it wouldn't. got really frustrating. Uh, It's not, you know, you basically have to be an SEO expert to understand this. The sands are shifting all the time. Guess what? Hrefs uncovers how your competitors are getting traffic 
and will tell you why. You can see their pages. You can see the content that sends them the most traffic. You can get estimated search volumes with keywords with their uh, Keyword Explorer tool. So you can see how well a piece of content is likely to perform before you pay for it. How about that? Hrefs has tons of useful stuff like Content Explorer lets you help find guest blogging opportunities, Rank Tracker, which lets you track your progress on keywords. It'll even pick up broken backlinks and help you fix them. Take the mystery out of SEO, and there's a lot of mystery there. Go to ahrefs.com right now. That's ahrefs.com. Sign up for the seven-day trial for just $7. Get reports on your website. See what's performing well. Figure out your next move. Whether you have a personal website, you want to get a following on, or your company needs more traffic to convert into sales, go there now, ahrefs.com, and get that seven-day trial. Thanks to Ahrefs for supporting The Incomparable's Star Wars Spectacular. Tiff, is there anything that 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 jumped out at you that that made you groan, that made you kind of, that took you out of what, otherwise was a was an overwhelmingly positive experience i mean not real i mean maybe some like small minor things here and there but i'm just i enjoy movies when i go to them i just do and i nice. kind of yeah. like i said i just brush over the stuff that makes me cringe at all but this kind of stuff I, for star wars i mean it's it's taking place in space in the future or past or whatever it is like, but like it is space already, wizards with laser swords yeah space wizards with laser swords like there's nothing you can't explain with like a few lines of dialogue placed properly and i just like fill those in with my brain you know like i yeah i just i'm like okay with that the like so with this movie i just feel like the original three movies, I was so hurt and burned by Jar Jar, the existence of him <laughs> and everything in those movies that almost now nothing can hurt me, you know, because like <laughs> nothing's going to be that bad. You will bad. only be stronger now. You know, <laughs> you you down. I rose from my ashes. <laughs> <laughs> strike me down. He always wants people to strike him down. But like, you know, you were saying that you felt it, it, it was a little cheesy that, you know, Ray uh, turns on her saber at the end. I don't know. Like maybe it's movies dictating how I view life, but I'm like, yeah. man, if I were on that planet and ceremonial burying these sabers and like the remembrance of people, damn right. I'm going to pull out my saber and light her up. Like, you know, that's, that seems like the symbolic thing to do, not just for the audience, but more of like a, I don't know, just a, a hero moment. She's feeling absolutely having a hero moment herself. Like she's burying the past. She's, she's rising up. I, I, that's the, that's what I mean when I'm saying like, I'm justifying a lot of the things that seem like they would just be ploys for movie moments, you know, or just like uh, throughout the movie, she heals the snake, right? And it's like, yeah, we see that. And then it carries on um, into the movie. It's like that. Now we see why she healed the snake so it can show that she can heal other people. Like, right. you know, da, 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 da. it lines up all those dominoes so that they can knock them down and everyone goes, oh, right. But I enjoy that. You know, like I'm okay with that with these movies because that's what I expect from them. And they do it in a way that it, it does lead younger audiences through the movie intellectually like it shows you know the snake and then she heals like so i think about the idea of bringing our son to see this movie eventually you know when he's old enough and he's going to need those moments he's going to need that like stepping stepping from stone to stone to figure certain things out like it's there for movie purposes to kind of connect all the ages and i understand that yeah for 
us, especially Star Wars fans who are like, all right, you don't need to, you know, spell everything out for me or you don't need to have the hero moment or you don't need to have um, C-3PO, you know, basically looking off and be like, I need to be the hero now. But there are audience members who need that. Right. Yeah, exactly. So that's why the the idea of having cringe in a movie that I already enjoy so much, (laughs) um, I'm I'm okay moving along from that also i mean i do a show that's all about cringe when i talk about the office so it's like <laughs> i know cringe and there there's so little cringe <laughs> marco let me let me ask you to do you have anything that you can you can dig into this movie critically with anything that that made you groan anything that got you no like major things like you know there are a couple of minor things here and there but like upon further reflection i think oh that wasn't so bad actually like initially i didn't like the can we just pulled a spoiler horn for God's sake. Who's listening? I literally mentioned the last shot of the movie. Spoiler horn? Yeah. 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 Like, who's listening no, to the I, third panel on this movie who hasn't seen it yet? Right. <laughs> I, have right. to, I have to figure <laughs> out if I want to see it. I don't know yet. I need yeah, six right. more hours. Yeah. Yeah. All right. No, so I, I, I literally mentioned the last shot of the movie, so yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're past that point. So yeah, so like like the the Ray Kylo kiss. I at first I was like, uh, did they really have to do that? And like and you know talk like talking about it later with Tiff and hearing other podcasts. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I guess I could see it. Like, it wasn't so bad, you know. Like, Ooh, I want to dig into this. I want to dig into we the will. kiss. Mm-hmm. I do, but yeah, like uh, otherwise, <laughs> like I, I just and, and there were a couple things too. Like, I wasn't sure, like if they can just conjure all those star destroyers in the death planet, like why didn't they just conjure more when they started blowing them all up? <laughs> but yeah, right. yeah. What happened to all those gig economy jobs from the original death star, all <laughs> right. those contractors that yeah. were making a living building things. Yeah. If they could and, just and think, make star destroyers appear. And I was interesting uh, as one of the fan service moments where they called out the Holdo maneuver by name and they dismissed it immediately because like, you know, when the Holdo maneuver was in Last Jedi, I was like, well, that kind of breaks everything. If we can do that, like if we can light speed <laughs> through anything and destroy anything like every ship in this universe has light speed. Can't we just have a bunch of unmanned drone ships that light speed into everything and blow it up? Right. So they kind of hand wave it away with one line of dialogue. Oh, that's one in a million. That'll never happen again or whatever. Right, right. Like, <laughs> I, I thought that was like, you know, they're like, you know, JJ had this kind of weird thing that he had to resolve from Ryan Johnson. And he was like, all right, well, here's how I'll do it. You know, but, um, and the, you know, there are a few other things like that, but if, for, the, for the most part, it didn't seem, um, uh, you know, too, too bad or over the top there. There wasn't really any, major part of this that i had that i have major complaints about like it, like i had a couple of those with last jedi like i, I did think last jedi kind of dragged along and it did improve upon later viewings but um hmm. but i did think it kind of dragged along I, I i did think they could cut a lot of the segments of last jedi and not really mm-hmm. lose it because yeah. it, it felt too long whereas this while it wasn't as long it was close but it, this didn't feel as long because it was it just it kept was, moving yeah, it kept moving and often to a fault. Like, you know, as many right. have said, like it, yeah. it does seem like they crammed in too much even. But I, I think, again, like when you look back at what they had to do here, like like as Cicero was saying, like th- this is really a movie for kids also. Like Star Wars has always been movies for mass market audiences, all ages, lots of different walks of life. And importantly, different levels of nerddom about it like yeah. this movie has to these movies have to appeal to not only nerds like us who have seen them all i don't i barely even put myself in this category who, who have seen them all and have like deeply analyzed everything have seen all the extended universe stuff and like we haven't even watched mandalorian yet like Shh, don't tell them i know i know like yeah, we have no time <laughs> but like like we like there's well, this thanks huge... Tiff. marco it's been great yeah. uh, <laughs> thanks for coming 
like there's this huge spectrum of nerdery about this and experience with these films and there's going to be a lot of people in that theater who maybe haven't even seen four five and six like if it's like younger people maybe they've only seen seven and eight and they're going into nine that's bad parenting i i know but like but look it's gonna happen right like these are mass market films there's a reason why these have like huge budgets and they're huge deals there aren't enough of us nerds to make that kind of impact it's a mass market thing and so it has to appeal to a wide range of fandom and nerddom and familiarity with the franchise so it needs a lot of that hand-holding it needs a lot of fan service to be in it really because like you know, it, it isn't just people who are going to go analyze this critically and try to figure out, you know, the, the filmmaking details of how they did this well or not. Like, it's people who want to go have fun and who want to have nostalgia and who want to just have a good time and who want the nerdery and who want things to be wrapped up and who want, you know, who, who are going to nitpick everything and read all the forums and argue with people on podcasts. Like, it's a huge range. And so to achieve all that, I also think, like, part of the reason why this can't necessarily be as, as film-like as Last Jedi or Return of the Jedi, or I mean, or Empire, is that it is, it has to wrap it up. Like, yeah. the, 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 you know, the mm-hmm. middle movies in their trios, <laughs> they, they kind of have time to expand, to focus on a few characters and kind of ignore or sideline a lot of other ones and really go into detail, develop those characters. The closeout movies, you know, Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, they have to wrap up all the opened storylines that the second movie has the luxury of being able to postpone some of them. This has to wrap it all up. And in addition to being the wrap up movie of the ostensibly last trilogy has to wrap up even more stuff. So it doesn't leave like there's so many characters, so many story arcs. It doesn't really leave time to further develop them in much detail or with much finesse or with much nuance it kind of does have to rush through them to do that and so to the extent that it does that i think it's it's kind of forgivable uh in in what it had to do well something you hit on that that i think is 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 really crucial here is the role that this movie plays and the the freedom the freedoms that last jedi had um I, i feel like in in retrospect people who were on the whole, more critical of Last Jedi than than uh, than felt that they enjoyed it. I think if people go back and look at it, the questions of what happened in that movie, um, whether it informed wrapping things up and getting things to where they need to go in this last movie, I, I feel like history will end up being kinder to the middle movie in the same way that it was for Empire, uh, because there's so much character development that you have to do to be able to do a movie that is all resolutions, uh, you know, say what you will. And I'm sure that David has about 17 different opinions about <laughs> the, uh, the Aristotelian structure of this. Um, but the, the thing that, the thing that I find, um, that I found most interesting is talking to people who were vehement last Jedi haters who think that Ryan Johnson should just go live in a well, um, that he should be ashamed of what he did and, and just absolutely hated the movie. Think it's the worst thing ever. Uh, how dare you kill Luke Skywalker? Well, he had to die in the second movie because if he's on the board for this movie, a lot of things are radically different. Um, and, and I, I feel, I feel like, the the thing the thing that got lost in the fandom wars uh, is that <laughs> when Empire came out, we didn't have Reddit, we didn't have 4chan, we didn't have the mm-hmm. internet, we right. didn't have any of this stuff. We had, we just had the, the letters column in Starlog. Yeah, right. If there was if there was Reddit when Empire came out, there would be no no Jedi, no Return of the Jedi. <laughs> well, it would be totally the, the different. Enti- the entire franchise suck. would have been shut down. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, well, and the, the thing the thing with Empire and Last Jedi, I mean, serials from the 40s are what were the original inspiration. And both of them follow that serial format, right? You have to have a cliffhanger. You can't wrap things up. It has to lead into a final thing. And for a good cliffhanger, for a good, you know, how are we going to get out of it? You have to have everybody in horrible danger and in utter despair. And both both Empire and Last Jedi end that way. Um, now, do the third movies in each trilogy quite connect up? I don't know, but, you know. Um, but, like, I didn't... That was one thing I didn't mind in this, right? It does do what a final story should do, and it does wrap all that stuff up. Um, and I don't, I don't even mind the hand-holding, right? That's fine, and that's a thing in Star Wars. It's just that... Um, you would have like, oh, we need to find a wayfinder. Oh, but then we need to find the dagger. Then we need to translate the dagger. Oh, we can't translate the dagger because of your programming so we can wipe your memory. Oh, we can't wipe your memory. Oh, here's another thing we could do. Oh, we wiped it anyway. Oh, I'm okay with no, that. I love a good quest. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, but, there's, but there's no time for them to come up with an idea. It's literally next, 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 next. There's no stopping there's no thinking on any of their parts i have it's a little bit of a, the a theory about that um I, I think it it was again it was one of those movie moments where like you have to do it because they were they were trying to get this movie to as many places as possible right and that's why i see them moving so fast and i think that that's a but, that's a big criticism so they're trying to get everyone they need to I yes, do. I yes, think so because that's how it, it it wraps around in the end where that's why you can see so many different people coming to their aid. They had to make that mental connection in the movie of like these people are affected by the empire, these people, these people and these people and this planet and this planet like they had to kind of hit all of these places and see you have we had to see our heroes going to all of these lands and these different cities and these different peoples and cultures and see how the empire affected all of them so that way when that moment comes of we put out the call and we want people to come and we're worried that no one's going to come we see why they come like otherwise we wouldn't mm. have seen the motivation of why all of these randos and you know people in tiny ships that have no defenses like why would they risk everything to come help these rebels when we just saw in the previous movie nobody came see i i think we had eight movies to see all those places i didn't actually buy everybody showing up at the end of this it's like what well, did lando uh, say well, I, I also didn't hey, buy Lando. you know giant <laughs> yeah, beams of lightning shooting into say. the sky <laughs> yeah that's so, right right I want to. I want to get into some of the set pieces. Um, Lando just needs to flick his cape, and everyone will show up. Absolutely. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, yes, Lando. Yes, it's got to be the right cape. Though. It's got to be the right any cape, cape, as long as it's on Lando. Where are you from? That's right. <laughs> How you doing? Uh, so, on, on the subject of hand holding, and I, I kind of want to jump around. I, I don't. I don't want to necessarily go oh, chronologically so that's through very the movie. JJ. It's okay. Uh, it, well, there you go. I wanted to go thematically. In a minute, I'll start running and shouting plot points. Um, so Ray! <laughs> okay <laughs> all right we get it um so uh we mentioned the kiss earlier and i actually want to start with the kiss um yes. whether it feels earned uh whether it feels like a payoff whether it feels like uh like uh, like fandom uh uh baiting um i i i i feel like i feel like i want to start with david um, because he probably groaned one of the loudest groans he had 
during during the kiss. But maybe it I'm wrong. Like maybe he's a romantic. Groans, <laughs> groaned out. And then I think the silent. thing is, we all might have groaned at first at right. the kiss. It depends on whose groan was sustained and who's faded into the distance. David, has has your groan has your groan faded into the distance, or is it still going? I didn't actually make any noise. I did roll my eyes, but most of the theater I was in literally went, "Oh, come on!" Like out loud, <laughs> and you know, and I was like. Wow. I mean, I, I was not the most critical person in that room. And all I could think was, JJ can't think of another way to get out of that. How do you, how do you culminate all of that? Are they romantic? I don't think that, I don't think, I don't buy any kind of romantic connection between them. Um, I didn't buy the kiss. I don't buy the kiss. I don't see myself ever buying the kiss, but I don't see any other way for him to take the passion of that moment, the, the, you know, we just got rid of Palpatine, right? How do you get out of that? What? I, I don't know. I don't know what I would do in that situation as a writer. I can buy it as a stupid, immediate emotional reaction that they immediately, you know, Maddie and Dave back, these, these back stupid off kids, going, these stupid kids just kissing on the death planet, stupid really? kids. That's And I, and I know uh, one of my playwright friends uh, messaged me after she saw it and she just went, I just went, oh, gross, out loud, and people <laughs> cheered. So it's like, um, okay, it's not just me. Yeah, my initial reaction was, oh, come on. Like, I was, I, that's what I even said to Marco. I turned to him. I was like, really? I had to do that? Because I'm usually the first and loudest person to be against that kind of stuff. Because I'm like, I love that they have Ray as the hero. I love how she's treated. I love that she is seen as oftentimes more powerful than a lot of the men for good reasons um, that have nothing to do with like her physical strength, but have everything to do with like who she is. It's just everything around it. I love she never loses clothing. Like there's a whole bunch of great stuff going on with her as the hero. And well, that kiss was just like, I just wanted to flip a table, right? Like I was just like, <laughs> just for crying out loud. Like it was, it was one of those moments where it's like, why, why bring her down or I don't like saying down, but still like, you know, well, it, usually down to that level. To that? Yeah. Right. Like, cause like the whole, her whole arc has been written without romance. Yes. Like that's part of why, like, as you're saying, like it's, she hasn't been a like sexualized or romanticized character. It's just been, she's a strong person, period. Not like this love story. Right. And she's never, and I never felt any romance between her and anybody else. But then when I stopped to think about what that kiss was to me, it was like, like you said, that just the kind of outpouring of I don't know what to do. There's so much emotion going on right now, and right. and you're the only person who understands what just happened, right? Too. And the, the the two people they're having these emotions. They seem to be, you know, um, they, they they seem to be compatible in that way and have this friendship. And it's like, what else would they have done? Like, you don't handshake in that moment. You don't give a hug, like a pat <laughs> right. on the back. And nothing right. feels like enough. And as mere mortals, we only have so many ways of expressing that kind of emotion. And I think it was an overwhelming thing. And, and kissing is, is that thing. Like that's that moment, like it just happened. Yeah. And as another human, I understand that, you know, like that closeness and the explosion. If anything, if anything, it almost, it almost tracked more to, uh, Rose and Finn at the end of last Jedi. 
uh, where mm-hmm. uh, sure. we'll, we'll probably get into this, too. Um, but their relationship does not it, it does not seem that they just suddenly were, you know, uh, just uh, uh, tight as tight can be like Leia and Han were after Empire. Um, it was it was a hey, we, we pulled it off and we're not dead. Hey, and they're going through a lot of stuff together, right? Like you think, look yeah. at everybody like you are all trying to save the universe together. There's a lot of heightened emotion going on. There isn't right. really time for romance. But I mean, come yeah. on, everyone's like adrenaline is up in all of these movies. You just a- accomplish something great. Right. My creepy grandpa tried to drain the force juice out of both of us. That was crazy, right? Like, like what, weird, like, what right, do you dude? do? Like, is it time yeah. for a high five? I mean, freeze frame that that moment where where they're both hugging when, you know, when they've done it and she sort of revives him and they or he revives her and then they hug. And even at that, I'm thinking, well, that's not quite it's just a hug. And then they kiss. And I'm like, oh, but that was wrong. But what would you do? They might I mean, have yeah. thought it was wrong too. Afterwards, yeah, they're probably like, exactly. "Ooh, we did exactly." That. <laughs> if, he yeah. hadn't, if he hadn't dropped dead immediately, right? right. Yeah, they would have had a time. really long talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. it was, I mean, at least they avoided yeah, all it, the awkwardness. This, yeah, it, this never it, happened, Ben. Just we're let's just agree friends, this. right? I just want to make sure you're not reading into this, Ben. Yeah, we're totes friends. <laughs> I just want you to know there are boundaries about the whole force time calling thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. just you know, let's set a predetermined time. He did slide into her DMs a little bit. Gotta say, yeah. he sure <laughs> did slide. Well, he he didn't just slide into her DMs. He 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 showed up and went. Well, your DMs are mine now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your DMs are nothing. I do wonder though, like how like. Obviously, there was there was some implied sexual tension in yes. at least in the Last Jedi, sure. um, you know, between them, and so this it was kind of unsurprising that they went there. But I think the more significant part of that scene was seeing Kylo slash Ben smile. Yes, that was so much yes. more powerful than the kiss. And so I wonder, I don't know, I don't necessarily think that this is what they should have done, but maybe they could have just had that be the powerful emotion of that Ooh, scene or like a face touch if or something just yeah right. maybe a smile maybe a face you know smile and the face touch something like that like i don't think the kiss was necessarily the only well, option the the face touch was used in rogue one right like that was that was oh, the, they the could the do it forehead, again no one saw the, that yeah the they could for- do it again. <laughs> that was so long ago ouch, ouch. i've already forgotten yeah, there, there <laughs> you mentioned rogue one there is something to the rogue one letting letting us have our, our two leads uh, face uh, face the inevitable together and right. not have to not have to engage in f- physical intimacy right. and just be fine sitting with themselves. But this is this is a fundamentally different kind of a pairing where yeah. it's it's like the it's like the force decided they had to be together. Uh, but alas, uh, we we get our Romeo and Juliet tragedy. Uh, right I don't like the that you, everyone's calling it that. Um, I'm yeah. against that. I've never heard that. That's why I groan. Refer to it yet, but like that. But yes, okay. Oh, well, um, I don't know. Tristan and he's old. Whatever. Um, right. Like <laughs> the, the 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 fact that it was set up that way is what still makes me go. Oh, you could have you could have pulled it off a bit better. Uh, but that's what Star Wars does to relationships, though. Classically. <laughs> <laughs> right like yeah. makes them that, awkward. Is, that is a and star wars dies? trope yeah it is it is incredibly awkward um it is either uh very antagonistic a la han solo and, and princess leia uh which oh also that was hot ended, though 
That was <laughs> real. Oh, that was totally hot. <laughs> right. That was yeah. so hot they sell pins of it now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and but you know again ends in tragedy. You've got uh, um, there was a I I know this is crazy guys, but before Han and Leia, uh, Leia's mom and dad got together. But you don't like. I I think I saw that like maybe in uh, the Star Wars Christmas special or something, but you know. Oh, I but know that was the creepiest a- romance ever to historically yeah. be romanced. Yeah. Oh my god! So yeah. so bad. Yeah, um, it's 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 archetypical problematic romance now. Right. right. And I mean, hey, um, remember that time Luke made out with his sister? Oh yeah, yeah. I do. Well, Thanks. No, his sister made is. out with him, and yeah, he enjoyed true. it. And- <laughs> Oh boy! So he, he was jumping, just a farm boy. You know, speaking of, speaking of uh, speaking of awkward insertions into things. Um, <laughs> hey now, hello. Let's, uh, let's jump back to the beginning of the movie. Uh, the dead speak. Emperor Palpatine just oh, suddenly God. appears in the narrative. Yeah. Um, with no explanation. With no explanation. Ever. To some extent. To some the extent. Scroll, the scroll uh, gave us an explanation. That sure did. Started speaking. <laughs> I can headcanon that everybody well, showed up because of his his little radio broadcast. That suddenly they're all like, "Oh wait, this actually really is like massive evil." Marco, what did you call all the little Palpatines in the audience? <laughs> you had- oh, I don't remember. But like, <laughs> like it was like I, I, I feel like I don't know. Baby Palpatines. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. <laughs> they're so cute. Ah, <laughs> oh, those palpiteers, they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Palpiteers. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the, the palpitations. Like the, again, like looking at looking at what this movie had to work with, we had, you know, in episode seven, we get the debut of Snoke, right? And we we're like, oh man, here's this new evil, you know, president of everything evil, and we're, we're gonna find out more about him and where did he come from and and what what are his motivations and everything. And then in, uh, in Last Jedi, he's like, well, he's cut in half. That's Ryan it. And it's like, well, was and, like, hold my beer, right? And and after <laughs> and I remember like after Last Jedi, we many of us were saying like it's disappointing that we're never gonna hear more about Snoke. Like, well, he's just cut in half now. He's gone. Like that kind of sucked. Like we we kind of wanted more out of that. And so I feel like this was maybe an attempt to correct that a little bit and and adds you know add some color to like where did that come from where did snoke come from what was snoke turned out and he turns was, out uh, it was you know palpatine he was grown in a box no, no yeah. it's like he has a whole jar of snokes in his basement <laughs> yeah, yeah right? it's like sea monkeys yeah. right but like yeah. at least he, he, at least uh, there was some explanation for it because like we didn't get that in the last two movies really and so they, they had to i think provide something and they did it wasn't necessarily the best explanation i i, I do wish it was something more original uh maybe that didn't involve like bringing back yet another old character but but you know uh, they had to do something on the other side of the coin, I kind of one of the things that made me groan in Force Awakens was the presence of Snoke and Snoke as okay, it's basically the Emperor but in a gold robe. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. And and uh, and the the thing that there there there's all sorts of rumors and speculation out there um, during the making of Force Awakens. They were kind of making it up as they went along, but my understanding is that once they got to the end of uh, principal photography and and were editing Force Awakens and got it locked down. They kind of had an idea of where they were going, and they were going in this direction from the point that they finished Force Awakens. When they started right. Force Awakens, they had no idea what they were doing. Um, right. But the the idea was to was always apparently to bring the Emperor back. So if if we can go with a premise at least and and assume assume that that is actually the case that that they were going to wrap it up with the emperor one way or another how do we feel about the the way that he is just thrown into the narrative or if you're a Fortnite player 
Uh, you actually heard the emperor's <laughs> broadcast. Um, you 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 no longer are merely required to read the tie-in novels and comic books, but also uh, any uh, first-person shooter uh, right. battle royale. They really did that. Uh, gotta events. get pwned by news. Oh yeah, that's awesome. I mean, in in terms of 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 considering this as as an evi- an inevitability. Did the did the surprise of Palpatine being at the end of that trailer that they debuted strike you as, oh, really? Uh, in, in, in the way that did Marco, uh, how 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 did how did this strike you in general? Does does the emperor detract from uh, doing interesting new things and handing things off to a new generation or uh, just, you know, more of the same kind of stuff? It was cool. Like. Oh man, the emperor's back. That's cool. I just wanted it to make sense and it didn't. Um <laughs> and you know, maybe if maybe listening to that broadcast on Fortnite, um maybe I should have reinstalled it. Uh duh. Uh but like it it just uh it there was just something weird about it. It was in the scroll and then all of a sudden the emperor was back and he's still all powerful. And then there were like all these people that were working for him and he was doing, he made his own star destroyers with death star weapons. And, and then like all of his troops were black. They they had black uniforms, but they also had red piping on it. Cause it looks cool. I don't like, I don't know what we were supposed to do with all of that. Um, But then I, I, you know, but much like Tiff said, I was just like, Hey, you know what? This is, this is their decision. I'll I'll just live with it and, and let me enjoy the movie. And you know, that's the, that's the story they want to tell. All right. He's evil. He's evil. I'll buy that. Okay. He's he's an evil guy. I think it makes sense to like connect all the families because that, was yeah. so much about Star Wars is like these family lines that we're following because these are our heroes, right? And it's like every, the big question is where's Ray from? And they needed to bring him back in order to connect Ray into the family. Yeah, I, I heard all the things about just let her be a rogue and all that, but I don't know. I kind of like that she's a Palpatine. I like that they brought that back around. Um, the whole idea that of trying to figure out where this lineage came from. I don't know. I can. I can totally explain that away with like one dialogue you know palpatine <laughs> ends up having a, a son that that ends up uh you know he doesn't need to really be involved in their life he didn't have the kid you know like it, it's, right. <laughs> it's okay for him to have had a family that he wasn't involved with or or had nothing to do with all of the evil and then he finds out that his granddaughter has powers and he goes after her like that all makes sense to me in the realm of how heroes are born and and family lines and star you know space dramas you know like I see this as kind of like a little bit of that soap opera, you know, like Mm -hmm. tucking that in there. And, and I'm okay with that because it's like, Oh, yes, it's Palpatine. Oh, it's his granddaughter. Oh, she was trying to be taken. Like I'm, I'm for this. I'm here for this. It's star Wars. And I like that they brought him back in kind of like this, you know, on this Gladys crane. (laughs) (laughs) That did kind of make me laugh. I was like, the the emperor ex machina. Um, (laughs) Exactly. I, I wish they had him a little bit cooler than on the on the big, yeah. you know, like crane tube. Uh, oh, he's he's just a, a marionette. Yeah, yeah, he can hang Christmas lights in the place really easily. Yeah, you know? right. Doesn't seem like, like a, much of a light place, though. <laughs> you mentioned soap operas, and I, I, I feel like I feel like there's room on Disney Plus for a, for a for a Palpatine family soap opera. Come on, Gary. <laughs> 
accept the dark side. No, Dad, I don't want to accept the dark side. Well, I think like it, it also it adds a lot to like why like you know in, in each of these um, trilogies, you know, you have you have Luke in the other one, and and you have Ray being like the main character on this one, and. In each of those, you have this hero who has a lot of powers, you know, develops them, but needs to have some form of internal conflict and internal struggle with who they are or developing into who they are going to become or whatever else. And Ray's has always been like her past, where she's come, where she comes from, etc., uh, her parents and whatever else. And so, and I thought the Last Jedi answered it well with with like you know, you're nobody. There are no answers for you here. You know, be your own person. But for her to get past that part of her conflict which i feel like the last jedi resolved basically like she kind of resolved it by the end of that they had to add something else for her to be conflicted about and so to have it be like yeah okay you actually are somebody but really not who you want to be <laughs> uh that i think really adds to it i, I think they reestablished the fact that she was still conflicted by that during the course of the film because so many times during the course of the film or at least once when they were at that uh weird rave burning man uh <laughs> festival thing um where the the little girl asked her what her family name was right, right she was right. like i don't have one that line on my passport is blank right right exactly <laughs> so that that was that's the thing she's you know she's still missing um i wish uh while we're still talking about that i wish ray as a character embraced the affection of finn more more readily Hmm. Um, it's, it's clear. I love the chemistry between those three actors. I love it. I think that they are, um, just so magnetic Oscar Isaac and, and, and Boyega, uh, and Daisy Ridley on, on the screen together. Um, so when the next trilogy happens, if it is, is featuring those three guys, I'm okay with that. I love them, but I wish that, you know, and people were trying to ship Finn and Ray and talked about a lot of why Finn, um, you know, Finn was pining after Ray and there were all these other women that were that were pining after Finn and he was ignoring them for this person who didn't even uh, realize that he existed. I didn't want them to have a a a, a romantic relationship, but I wanted them to have a, a familiar re relationship um, where they looked at each other as siblings and I would have, I would have loved, I think this was a very, very, uh, poorly missed opportunity. I would have loved for that moment at the end of the film where, uh, Ray is going down, uh, to, to Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru's house and burying Luke and Leia's lightsaber for Finn to have been there. The two force sensitive people that we know of in the galaxy, um, to both reveal themselves because they both don't have don't know where they came from or 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 at least want to uh shun their their lineage for both of them to declare themselves as skywalkers for that been them to be the hmm. new siblings see i didn't mind that they tied her into palpatine or any of that because when i saw force awakens in the theater my immediate thought was oh she's a palpatine because she can't be a skywalker that's too obvious and then when when everyone was like, oh, The Last Jedi, I said, oh, your parents are nobody. 
why is everyone taking him at his word? Why isn't he the <laughs> evil guy trying to psych out the hero? Come on. Your parents are nobodies. Why do we assume the guy from the speech and debate team who, uh, well, actually knows a lot more about international finance than you do, uh, does actually know more about everything than, <laughs> right. than we do? You know, and, and so so when it was like, oh, well, they're going to come back. Well, yeah, it's Aristotelian unities. It's a saga. It's going to happen. We're going to find out who she is. And so I didn't mind the, the whole Palpatine thing. It was like, OK, I mean, that her makes parents sense still because. Right. Well, good and evil seem to skip generations in this. Mm -hmm. But her parents still could have been nobody. Like they might not have even known they were Palpatines. Absolutely. You know, because they could have just, you know, grown up and had a family and been like, okay, whatevs. You know, they had no connection. Anything with them until someone tried to come and take their daughter. Like then they're like, whoa, 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 what's happening? Right. (laughs) Who are you people? Um, So, so you know, it's sort of like everyone is like, oh, I wish they didn't do that. Well. No, they they had to. They had to close the circuit. It was going to happen. We were going to find out who she is. And it does make some sense also that like, you know, Palpatine as the emperor in the original trilogy, you know, he he was thrown into a hole like that. It wasn't that ceremonious of a death. (laughs) Right. Like and he was and for being this all powerful person and like and then, you know, as the prequels kind of gave the backstory that, you know, really made him seem like even more powerful. So he's like this really important pivotal character to the series. And he's all powerful, all knowing, can do all sorts of cool stuff. And he gets thrown into a hole and that that's supposed to kill him. Like, <laughs> I, it does kind of make sense. Like, OK, that wasn't really quite enough. That's um, true. And it kind of kind of continues like as, you know, as any old movies are remade in the modern day, everything is done with a bigger scale today than it was sure. back in the day. Right. And so you had like, you know, everything in the old series is way, way smaller scale than everything that came after it. And so it does kind of make sense that, okay, maybe falling into a hole wasn't enough to kill him. And then also, if we're going to have him still be around now, he's going to have to be bigger and grander and more powerful and everything's done on a larger scale and everything. So it, it, it did kind of make sense from that point of view, even though I wish it was a little bit more creative in like how this came to be. But it, it I can see sure. why he did that. I mean, the reason for everyone's exorbitant amount of powers in these movies, I feel like all the other Jedis died. So obviously they weren't as good at Jedis as the ones that survived. <laughs> like Jedi selection? Sure. Yeah, sure. it is. That's it's that. like Darwin yeah, Jedi selection. Like, yes, yes. Of course they're the most powerful Jedis <laughs> we've ever seen selection. because they're still here. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Just by existing still. There they can be only one. Oh, wait, wrong franchise. <laughs> right. You did not train hard enough. That is why you fail. <laughs> If you had learned how to raise rocks with your mind, maybe you would have survived. Mm. Right. Floating, projecting, like all the like lightning hands. If I mean, they got everyone else beat. Yeah. All right. So so we we've 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 started to jump into MacGuffin territory. The whole movie is a MacGuffin. Did any of the Horcruxes MacGuffins, the the whatever you have, is it uh, did any of them really work for people or at best were they just kind of part of the side quests involved in the maid quest and and they just kind of go. So so (laughs) the here's the thing, guys, Um, I'm actually going to pull up, push up my glasses as I say this. Yes, Dungeon Master. Oh, dear. The, okay. th- they are canon. 
So the Wayfinders were part of the Clone Wars. Like, they're good mm-hmm. canon, right? So, like, you know, obviously, as Tiff was alluding to, people get really nerdy and into the weeds um, with the EU stuff that that came and, and Disney kind of retconned away. Um, what they didn't retcon away was all of the stuff that they were making money off of, which is <laughs> all of the animated series <laughs> uh, stuff. And within, I, I believe it was Star Wars Rebels, they talk about the Sith Wayfinders. So these were actual, these, this is, this wasn't just a MacGuffin that JJ created, even though it's, it sounds so nonsensical and, and ridiculous that it might as well have been. It, it's actual stuff that, that Star Wars has been using for the last five or six years. So, um, when I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, well, here it, you know, here it is. Um, knowing that pleases me. That's nice to hear. Yeah. yeah. I didn't have a problem with them. It was, it was the way they were using them to be like, oh, we have to find a thing. Oh, the thing gets immediately destroyed when we find it. Now we have to figure out another way to find one. Oh, and that immediately gets destroyed. Oh. It's like, come on. I feel like that's kind of part of Star Wars. Though. Like, part, a, a major part of how Star Wars has always been made is like, traveling around to different places having to find right. a certain person or find a certain thing and mm-hmm. to let you go to the next step you know like that's it's just kind of a, a regular element of the series and yeah they did quite a lot of that here uh maybe they had like one too many it's national treasure but yeah. I, th- I think part of that might have also been like you know that the the problem they had here again was like trying to having to wrap up so many storylines deal with so many characters so maybe they needed a few MacGuffins to just give everybody something to do the biggest positive to me uh with the MacGuffins is that without the MacGuffins we would not have Babu Frick yes, yes. I, I love, do love Babu, Babu Frick. Frick so much oh, wait a minute hold on wait wait sorry Hold the phone. David, you love an element of this movie? I love several <laughs> elements of this movie. I've been saying that the whole time. Come on. I love several elements that I can quantify very easily so, and quickly. Yeah. There, there are at least five minutes of the movie that worked perfectly for me. For, for me, there, there, there are a few moments of the movie that, that specifically stand out as made me want to pump my fist in the air. And when Babu Frick just popped yep. up from that cockpit, <laughs> I went, you know what? This whole thing was worth it. Uh, you know, forget forget any critical thoughts I've had. Babu Frick uh, makes makes it all worth it. Um, are are there any little things like Babu Frick, Babu Frick himself, uh, that that were sprinkled in throughout the movie that just gave you a particular amount of delight? Stuff that they they dropped in and you know maybe didn't get a whole lot of time, but but are in the movie and are new uh, and and unique to this movie that that you particularly enjoyed. Anybody? I I, I love the little droid with the wheel. Yeah, me yes. too. That's what I was gonna say. Nope. <laughs> no, thank you. No, <laughs> no. I, I just I love that little guy. I love the way they just sprinkled him in just enough. They didn't make mm-hmm. him annoying. They didn't give him tons of dialogue or anything or have him have a, you know, silly, annoying voice. It was he was adorable. He had the little squeaky wheel that got fixed. You saw Ray's kindness in fixing that for him, like when they're in the junk shop. Um, I just, I love the the two little words he says with so much personality and character. Um, yeah, that little that little one wheel droid was excellent. He was, <laughs> he, was like, he was like a rescue dog. It was really what? sad. Yeah. No, thank you. No, thank yeah. you. <laughs> like I, I just, I just liked all the little funny dialogue quips that yeah. were very present in episode seven and were mostly totally absent from episode eight. And so it kind of like one of the reasons why seven was so fun to watch, not only was it, you know, coming off of the awful prequels, but it was, it was funny 
and it made mm-hmm. you smile a number of times in the theater as opposed to just being this big downer that like both you know empire and last jedi kind of had to be right. um and so right. you know with, with i think with rise of skywalker i think we've we've gone we've got, we went back to that like it is now it's once again this like fun ride with all this funny little dialogue and these smile moments sprinkled throughout like i loved all the bs like i love like the the mask commentary from the people in the, in the conference room i love yes. like the i love like at the end like when poe and finn are like general general and they just blow right past it like move right on like right. there were so many little moments like that of of just fun dialogue that made you smile throughout it that i really enjoyed you know the bizarre thing to me is I, Marco, I I classify that so much as as stuff that people said they hated in the prequels was all the funny goofy stuff. Um, well, it was, this was funny. good funny goofy. Yeah, stuff. So yeah. that was yeah. So there's a difference between uh, silly being silly and childish and yeah. just right. funny. You yeah. know? silly is great. Silly yeah. done well is is the difference. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Now, so what I loved, I I'll, I'm going to cheat a little, Moises, um, because you're you're uh, you're the moderator, and you know how uh, much you know you know, uh, this, you know as, as as much as there is one, right? So, um, so I'm going to take a moment that is consistent throughout all of the films, and then take a moment. Uh, that was strictly in this film that I enjoyed. I enjoyed how much of an American film these films are um, because, and and this is what I mean. People go throughout the galaxy, right? And all the humans go throughout the galaxy and they wind up meeting all of these species that speak to them in their native tongue. Or if they're in the outer rim, they're using Huttese and, and the humans are speaking basic and all of these characters, as you talk about Barbara uh, Frick, um, they talk to them in their language. Our American counterparts on screen speak to them in English <laughs> and the counterparts can, and the, the people they're talking to can understand them. But we can't understand our, you know, our humans can't understand. <laughs> they, they still need a translator for everything else that those people are saying. Um, it is amazing how multilingual everyone else is and the people that speak English still can't communicate with them. And that's, you know, it's a, a beautiful allegory for what dumb Americans are. Um, the other thing that I loved was, and Tiff talked about this really quickly. So they're, you know, under the quicksand, they're in the cavern, Ray heals the snake. Um, in that moment, uh, and, and prior to that moment, uh, before they left to go to that planet, uh, the last time Ray speaks to Leia, Leia tells Ray, um, don't underestimate your droid. And then in that chase scene before they fall into the quicksand, you see the moment where BB-8 does the thing that Ray tells him not to do mm-hmm. that. And BB-8 was right. And she says, don't underestimate the droid. Then we go into the quicksand. We're in the cavern and uh, she heals the snake and she looks at BB-8. And then, you know, in her exposition to BB-8 and to us as the audience says, Oh, you know, I use some of my force, you know, my force life force to heal this this thing. Um, and she looks at BB-8 and says, you would have done the same thing, too, if you were me. Uh, then we go onto the ship and BB-8 
charges Dio. He gives up mm. some of oh. his life force. Oh, to to bring this character back to to bring him to life. I love how you and just connected what that. What, what you're pointing to here is something that that changed for me on a second viewing. Where in in the first viewing, there is only so much that one human being can absorb from this absolutely incredibly absolutely. concentrated narrative. Yes, and that that's exactly what happened for me. That's exactly what happened for me. Is is on the second viewing, I was like, oh wow, look at look at how all of that came full circle. She learned from the droid and then she taught the droid and the droid learned from her. Right. And, and he, and, and, you know, as a result, BB-8, the first place BB-8 brings Dio is to Ray. Mm -hmm. He could have gone anywhere, but he brought her, he brought it to her. I I don't know why I, I applied a gender to BB-8, but not to the other droid, but yeah. No, they they have in marketing, so. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, that was a thing that really stuck out to me. Uh, of the various dozens upon thousands of articles that have been written about this movie since the moment it came out and the embargo dropped, uh, one of the things that I have um, that I've I've found myself very simpatico to is the notion of you shouldn't have to read a bunch of tie-in material for things to make sense. Yes, um, right. you shouldn't necessarily have to watch something two times for it to make sense. The movie made sense the first time. Yeah, um, yeah, and, oh, yeah. And 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 for me, this was a version of seeing it a second time was an additive positive. It melted away some of my anxieties, some of my issues with the movie. Um, but I didn't, I didn't feel like I had to, uh, I had to pay the admission price, uh, twice just for it to basically make sense. It just, it was a lot. Um, is there, there was only one meeting. That's why (laughs) (laughs) we only saw one boardroom meeting. So there's, there's only, there's only the one boardroom meeting. And, um, the, are, are there things that whether you saw it once or twice that you feel just, um, just feel like kind of the, the ragged edge of, of things that, that maybe could have been elided. Um, jumping jumping to Rose, something that I, I wanted to bring up is that something I loved about The Last Jedi was the centering of Rose as a as an as a, as an analog for all of those people without lines within the resistance who are the reason that the resistance happened and right. humanizing that role, not the chosen savior person, you know, with a laser sword and force powers and who flies really great or something, but just a maintenance tech. Um, and I found her backgrounding in this movie. Um, it, it bothered me very fundamentally at first. And then I started to think about, well, with the structure of the movie, the way that they set it up, they kind of told her story and, uh, and, and I, I could kind of understand it, but I still wasn't, I wasn't terribly happy with it. Um, where I feel like there was, there was something that could have been done. Um, and I, I, just because the Knights of Ren were introduced in the first movie doesn't mean that they needed to show up again. Um, (laughs) because then all of a sudden we had six Boba's fetting and they weren't (laughs) even as cool as Boba Fett. There, There wasn't even the Boba Fett mystique to them. They were effectively glorified stormtroopers with axes and, there there were elements like that that made me come back around to thinking about things like Rose going, you know, they did have time to spend some time with Rose and give her something more to do than Princess Leia framing lines. Um, How to, to start off with, how did, how did, how did each of you feel about 
the backgrounding of Rose and and what what kind of unnecessary loose ends do you feel like there were, if any, in the movie that that could have been sacrificed in favor of of, uh, you know, putting some better foundation uh, behind other parts of the movie? Well, a- absolutely. They they missed a great opportunity to, to do more with her and to just say, here, here is a person who has no force abilities, who is competent at their job. You know, in my head canon, I like the fact that she's back at the base, helping out Leia, being all competent and doing her job properly, while our heroes are off going off and being dumbasses doing things, right? Um, it's it's sort of traditional now that Poe and Finn are kind of dopey, and, and it's the women who get things done. And so I liked the thought that, okay, she's where she needs to be, but I still wanted to see more of her, and I didn't didn't really think most of the Leia stuff was organic. It was really, Ah, really ah. difficult. (laughs) It was like, you kind of sit through it and go, well, it works well enough and there's nothing they could have done about it. I'm I'm not, I'm not criticizing them for that. Could they have been more creative about it? Maybe, but you know, they, they were dealt a terrible hand. I mean, it's, what are you going to do? Um, did they need to have as much of her standing looking concerned? No, because after a while, you're just like, oh, she's still standing and not saying anything. Huh. People are saying exposition around her. Huh. It was it was just so awkward. Um. So, yeah, I didn't I in the end, I didn't like how, what they did with Rose. Um, I'm glad that she came back at the end for the fight like she wasn't totally vanished but she wasn't really integral either um yeah i i really when i saw that she was gonna when finn went to her and said hey come on last chance you can come when or when they introduced her i thought oh okay cool now we've got four different people that are is that are the gang now like we've got our gang going mm-hmm. forward through these films and uh and you know and then they moved her to the background and, and when finn saw her uh before they you know before the guys left i i thought she was actually going to go along with them but she you know she chose not to and then what i thought was oh, okay she's going to be the gal in the chair and they relegated her to the gal in the chair role, but they didn't use her there. Instead, uh, Pippin uh, from Lord of the Rings, uh, uh, um, Monaghan, I forgot his name, is introduced Dominic, in this. Dominic Monaghan. Dominic Monaghan, and he's introduced in this film, and he says and does more than, yep. than Rose's. You know, like we don't even really know what that character's name is. Oh, we're talking about Charlie, right? Yeah, Charlie from yes, Lost. Charlie, he's, Charlie from Lost. Yeah, yes. they still yeah. they found him in the jungle. He's still yeah, wandering right, the jungle, yeah, right, and that's exactly. where they found him. They're like, "Hey, dude, you want to join the resistance?" And he's it's like, "I don't know. Yeah, when did you come along? It's not I don't know when or where ship. I am. <laughs> Why not?" Um, <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, I, what really? What I was disappointed. I wasn't upset by it, but I was disappointed. Yeah. And the fact that 
they had opportunities like, you know, like you said, Moises, uh, I was I I was thinking maybe I for, I missed something with the Knights of Ren. Like, what is what's their deal? Why are they cool? Like, what what are they like? They don't even have lightsabers. Like, who are they? They don't have the force. Like, what? Well, now, if you had the visual dictionary to the Rise of Skywalker, you'd, you'd actually have bios of each of them. I'm right. not kidding. <laughs> right. Like, right. Steve Why? Wren, yeah. Gary Wren, yeah. Kyle Wren. The similarity in names did not go over well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so there were opportunities there for this character that was so very uh, essential in the previous film uh, that was a film to have a moment in this movie. And even J.J. said, if Ryan Johnson left me anything, it was this character. And then he gets the character and doesn't even use her. Like he doesn't use her with the primary group. That's fine. But even back at base where she had an opportunity to, to really kind of direct things, it doesn't do there. She, she doesn't even have like th- those types of, you know, that type of one-on-one interaction with any of the characters there to, to right. show how important she was. I feel like part of that is because of, you know, the they just had so much to do here that something had to get cut, right? So like uh. a, a huge part of this was probably like, you know, no one is coming out of this movie saying we really needed more storylines to be shoved in here. So, you know, maybe they had it originally planned for more of more of Rose and to have her be, you know, more developed and have more involvement. And maybe they had to cut it because it was just too busy of a film. On the other hand, though, I do agree that, like, there were a lot of opportunities that she could have been used where instead we got Charlie or Randos and it's like, you know, she could have been maybe for those things. You know, maybe they had to. Maybe she was she was going to have more interaction with Leia, and they couldn't do that because Carrie Fisher wasn't available. So you know, there's all sorts of potential reasons why they could have legitimately had to cut Rose more. But I think th- you're right that they didn't take advantage of all the opportunities they had. Well, and and as much as I love Babu Frick, what if Rose had been the tech that they could have? had doing all that why did they have to go to another planet and introduce another character and give us a a history of poe as a spice runner come on because we needed a cute puppet who was slightly evil (laughs) and and carrie russell really wanted to be in a star wars film uh let's talk about carrie fisher and uh and how she fits into this movie um and for me um the the notion of oh we're not doing cg Um, well, it means one thing to some people and it means a completely different thing to other people. And they very carefully, um, kind of placed people around her in the footage that they had, um, that they were able to, you know, composite out, uh, whatever she was being shot against. Um, did, did it work? Uh, did it, did it stick out? Did it stick out in a bad way? Um, or did it, or just did it, did it work for you? Um, at a base level. I saw some of the seams like, you know, it's like certain shots where you'd have Leia talking, but you'd be looking at someone else's face. They would show the back of her head instead of, you know, or something right. like that. Like there were some obvious seams, but like I, I went into it not knowing that it was not deep fake CG kind of stuff. I thought that's what they were doing. And so when I heard afterwards from podcasts and stuff that it was actually not a deep fake, that it was actually, you know, actual footage of her and clips of her. That made it more impressive, honestly, because I thought it was very 
very well done with you know with what they had to work with and very tastefully done you know they didn't go too overboard mm. they, they didn't give her too many lines too much involvement and the way in the plot that she is used and the way that she eventually dies i thought was very tastefully done it was a nice send-off and yeah in an ideal world if carrie fisher had still been alive and was able to have you know more of a role in the movie that would have been great but again that's not the hand they were dealt so with what they had to work with i think that they did a very good and very tasteful job yeah they could have pushed it too far very easily yeah uh they could have kind of had a eyes bigger than their stomachs you know like they could have just just gone for it um more than they were capable of and they didn't they had restraint there and even though that restraint i feel like made the character suffer when you think about it as a complete picture from you know the beginning to end of the all of leia kind of situation that's a little bit sad that she felt a little bit weak in this last movie when she was being built up to be this strong general uh and we got to see that little bit of information about her training with luke i loved that i love that they added that little backstory about her it gave her powers more legitimacy um because Mm -hmm. back in the original trilogy when luke says you know i have it my father has it my sister has it and we really hadn't seen the it yet from leia at all besides the weird mary poppins thing and in uh in last Jedi. yeah well that was like big all right talk about things i don't like that certainly i do not like that yeah i wasn't wasn't a fan of that but it it kind of explains her more advanced jedi powers a little bit more because we hadn't seen that in the movie movies and that little bit of a flashback kind of flushed out her character a little bit more for me and just like marco said i wish that there was flushed out fleshed out flushed whoopsie daisies (laughs) (laughs) either way the flushing and the flushing i mean she was flushed out of the ship in last jedi yeah that's such the worst scene um but so that in itself like i i was happy they used restraint with her in the present and i was happy that they gave her that nod to her powers in the past i also think like it was so kind of magical that uh, if i if i remember correctly her very first line in the film was her looking at the camera and saying nothing is impossible right. and to have right. to have that be the opening to see an actress that most of the audience knows has died before this film was made to have her show up there and say nothing is impossible is just kind of a really cool thing so the first time i saw the film was in 2D and I was I I knew I had heard JJ say that we had footage and all of the footage that we have of Leia is you know footage that we had had from Force Awakens and we're you know we're using it again. I was under the impression at that point that this was these were like deleted scenes that they retouch from Force Awakens that they somehow managed to pigeonhole into uh, the Rise of Skywalker. So I was oh, yeah. surprised at how much she was in the film and how uh, important a role Leia played in the film. But then last night when I saw it in 3D, I realized oh, wait a minute. No, they just, these were just composites and they just ripped her out and put her, inserted her in into certain scenes um, because of the contrast with 3D. You can, you can see it more, it's definitely more pronounced oh, um, yeah. that she is not also sitting in, in the scene with the, with the other actors. Um, so I was waiting for a moment where she, you know, the, the next line was, 
keep the change, you filthy animal. You know, like <laughs> it was just like so so that part that part was kind of weird. And and then of course the obvious uh when she is hugging someone or you know, you hear a piece of dialogue and you only see the back of her head and that's that stuff was there but like hey look uh, as as it's already been said you know what they had to the hand that they were dealt they definitely made the most of that hand and i thought i think it was it was very well done and it was a a fitting uh send-off to to that character and that actor yeah i mean visually they did a great job i think um dialogue wise they had to make it but work. They had yeah. to make it work. They did they did the best they could. But I did like the resolution for the character. And I did like how how she was able to draw Ben back and that that was a worthy sacrifice. That worked for me gangbusters. They always kill the moms. All oh, Disney yeah. movies, all the moms die. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's just not fair. Yeah. Uh some of them are dead when you meet them. That's right. <laughs> some uh, some other some other tying together of threads for this new trilogy. Um, things I wanted to touch on. Uh, Hux, I love Hux. Um, he's I'm the he's, spy. He is such a he's he's such a perfect That's he's a really such good a perfect reveal. garbage boy. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I I had very little doubt that he was the spy. Even even as we had just been introduced to Richard E. Grant as as allegiant General Pride, right? I just want to say I am so glad Richard E. Grant gets to play a bad guy in a Star Wars film. Thank oh, yeah. God, who is who is more perfectly made for that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> but uh, but Hux in the first movie, kind of like Kylo Ren, you know, young guy full of bluster, really, you know, thinks of himself as as the as the guy in charge and, you know, the heir apparent to the First Order. And he's he's the man at Snoke's right hand. And uh, none of that's really the case. And he's really pretty incompetent. Um, and he's full of all kinds of expensive bad ideas. And in the second movie, um, you know, th- that facade has dropped pretty fully. And in this one, he just gets to be a total clown. Um, and I like that. I like, I, like we touched on earlier. Uh, I, I like when star Wars gets to be silly within reason. Um, and I found it hilarious. The people who thought hug hugs, hugs, um, was, um, hugs was, uh, was just super scary and intimidating. What a tough guy. And to me, he was, you know, the guy who, who wore a bow tie to debate tournaments in college. Oh yeah. Um, and I saw him as a good foil to, uh, well, not even foil, but a good partner in crime with, uh, Kylo Ren because their rivalry was so much like, um, like brothers or, or just like, no, you shut up. No, you should like, I don't know. They're yeah, just yeah. like, they're trying to one up each other they're trying to like get the emperor to notice them look at me look what i could do oh no well look at emperor look what i could do right like that's kind of how they are with each other and maybe i'm a giant plebeian but like i totally didn't see that he was the spy i was like (laughs) yay i was excited that he was but it totally surprised me uh so sorry everyone now you think less of me but i was pleased that he was the spy (laughs) um i think that his character is really funny and uh, i do like how he was just kind of like the annoying little brother 
the whole time. Like the, I want to yeah. be more evil than you, or I'm more evil than him, or you know, the, just the the way he was interacting with everybody. It was very Star Wars, and they allowed him to have that silliness. Yeah. Um, because I feel like sometimes you know a little silly goes goes well with your sinister. Yeah, I I loved him, and I too, by the way, didn't make the connection that he was a spy. Not not because I couldn't figure it out, but because there was so much in this movie that after <laughs> there, the there first were like five yeah, minutes, twelve pounds of movie hitting yeah, you in the face. There was so much that I immediately forgot that there bag. was a spy. <laughs> Good cover. Good cover. I'll go with that one too. No. And so, and then by the, by the time they got to him, like we found the spy. I'm like, oh yeah, right there was a spy. Okay, that makes sense. But <laughs> but I just forgot that that was even a thing that that had, that had been mentioned in the middle of all this other stuff that was going on. Oh yes. yeah, the as, emperor's in this one. Oh, the emperor. Okay, right. As soon as as soon as they said it's being fed to us by a spy in the first order, and I went Hux because it's just economy of characters. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Same here. And so, like when when they have that moment, and you know, God, give me your gun. If if he had just not said anything, and Poe would have been like, I did not see that coming. That would have worked for me, but right. I'm yeah. the spy. It's like, right. Right. Yeah, that was one of those moments where the whole room was just like, boo, boo. But it makes sense because he was so proud to be doing something even more sinister because well, he's like, it, it, it fit his character. He's sinister to the did. sinister people. And, and he was like, Haha. all he wants is credit. He just wants credit and approval. He just wants credit. I did love that his whole motivation was not, I'm not trying to help you. I just want Ren to lose. Yeah. Yeah. Like, his entire yeah, motivation, motivation is that he yeah. he wants to be head boy at school right. and, that's right. and he will do whatever he has to. And it's one of the rare cases of He's a J.J. Abrams Malfoy. movie with a, with, a, with, a character, with a character stating plot as dialogue <laughs> where where him saying, I, I don't care if you win. I just need him to lose. It just right. totally worked it right. because it felt like yeah, something yeah. that this actual human being would say, because we've all known, we've all known a general Hux in our day. <laughs> right. um, Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. They just needed more general hugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it actually, this conversation makes me think of something um, overall about this trilogy. And, and that is, you know, we we're laughing about Hux and we're talking about how uh, him, his sibling rivalry with, with Kylo Ren. I was never scared. Uh, I was scared of the first order as a police force. But I was never scared of Kylo Ren. He was never scary mm, to me. And right. Hux was never scary to me. Mm. They were both powerful. Uh, you know, Hux a little bit more incompetent than, than, than Ren. And Ren, like, there was no denying how powerful he was. But he never intimidated me as a villain. Uh, and, and that was, as, as people, they weren't scary, but the fact that they were in charge of things was scary. Right. Yeah, they, yeah, they were little yeah, boys playing dress of, up. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I think because of that, when they said that there was a spy and, and maybe not that moment, like when Marco got it, but when Ren comes back to, uh, and what an unnecessary moment, uh, when Ren comes back with his, <laughs> with his, uh, black and red now mask and yeah. he's, he's talking in the boardroom. I got streaks in my hair. I'm a badass right, now. Right. Um, <laughs> I got detailed. He has frosted tips. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Check out these frosted tips. <laughs> I was about to say that. I, I was like, I, I shouldn't say that. That's a bridge too far. Right. And Tiff went, nope, we're going. Here we go. Over the bridge. <laughs> so, so, you know, we talk about where they could have found moments. 
that moment before he's in the boardroom where they're walking through like that was supposed to be intimidating they're walking through the the star destroyer and the the knights of ren are following him and one of the stormtroopers is like uh you know knights of ren like they you know it's it's Hansel. He's so hot. You know, like what, <laughs> what was that moment? Like they could have completely cut that out. They could have completely cut out the Knights of Ren as far as I'm concerned. Um, uh, but like that moment in the, in the boardroom was the moment when he says, Oh, there's a spy uh, that I was like, Oh, it's Hux. Duh. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, cause like, we, only know, we only know one person. We only know one. We only know one guy. And of course it's going to be the one guy we know. Um, that makes all the sense in the world. And, and, and actually it's stolen from again, Star Wars Rebels, where mm. there is a, uh, spy within the Empire. Uh, and it turns out that the spy, it has been the, you know, third in command that's been chasing after our heroes throughout, throughout most of the series. Um, so like they they lean very heavily on this established canon that Disney's is making money off of uh to try and and build out the story that they had uh to to wrap up the series. Speaking of things that absolutely could not be cut out of the movie, uh I I would say very high on that list for me is Lando Calrissian. Oh, oh my goodness. How good was it to see Lando again? Oh, it was man. nice. He's such a hound. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how necessary it was, honestly. Like, it was good fan service. Like, like I'll give you that. Yeah. And it, yeah. Yeah, I, it was I, I think that's why they fun. did it. I don't think it was particularly necessary. <laughs> I totally knew it was going to be him. As soon as that oh, yeah. character that came out of the in, tent, yeah. I was I like, laughing. Yes. totes Lando. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. And he's like, how you doing? And I'm like, there he is. <laughs> right. so, so I've been given to understand that there's like some tie-in material I missed or something among all the tie-in material because I haven't read any of it. That that um, that makes what some people found to be a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit weird. The little chat that he has with Jana at the very end of the movie. Yeah, that was um, creepy. Yep. The implication apparently was supposed to be if we read if we did the homework properly, that <laughs> he stayed on that planet because his daughter was taken away from him on that planet. And right. that is his daughter. I was I suspected that, too. That's where I thought that they were trying to go. But Lando has too much sex in his voice. He's and it gets real weird. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, hey, let's find out about your Your story. (laughs) Hey, kid. I got a big house. What? Because that was my first thought, too, is like when when he sits down to talk with her. It's like, oh, well, that's where they're going with it. No, don't say that. No. (laughs) I don't think he could say anything that wouldn't be implied that way. Yeah. 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 Pass hey, me let's, the let's, sugar. <laughs> let's let's take that trip after. There are a no nice droids here. Forty-five. <laughs> right. Works every time. I'm gonna have to replace <laughs> a flange on the toilet. <laughs> let's get out of here. Yeah. Oh man. No, that seriously. Diarrhea. Let's get out of here. We're gonna right. get crushed by that thing. Right. So the the two minutes of the movie that worked perfectly for me, absolutely flawlessly happy, were. The big surprise cameo when when Ben is alone in the rain, in the yes. water, and Han shows up. And that <sighs> hey kid. You know, for all my issues with the movie, that did actually get me tearing up. That was so beautifully done. And for once Harrison wasn't scowling 
right. in a late era movie. Yeah. Um, he was tender. He was just right. And and if they had if they had mirrored that that touch that face touch, if that had been the big moment for Ray at the end with him, that would have been beautiful. If they'd been able to tie that together, yeah. Mm. You know, who needs a kiss? This is more powerful. This is this is I. I remember because I was in your head too. Right. Right. That would have been beautiful. But but that that scene by itself, that was perfection. That was just, yeah. Well, uh, you know, and and speaking of big reveals, and and uh, I know David said that Lando's uh, Lando's inclusion was unnecessary, and it was kind of fan service. I but, was okay. I was fine. But, but like, you had to have here, him at some point. Right. Well, here's the thing, man. This is the finale of this series. Mm-hmm. Everything is fan service. Right. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> right. Everything hey, here hey, you know what? Is, is fan service. We had a crash Death In the Star, ninth right? movie, we're going to have no lightsabers. No lightsabers. If- we're going to try it just one time. <laughs> if you have if you have James Earl Jones for one line and Liam Neeson for one line right. and Hayden Christensen right. for one line, you're going to have Lando. Samuel and Sam Jackson. And Sam Jackson. And Sam Jackson for one line. He's on the Disney payroll. He's fine. Well, well yes, very much. He was just, so. he was just in the office. They're like, "Hey, Sam, come here. We got we got <laughs> right. a line. Just, we need you to as long as you're thing. here." This was the Seinfeld finale, man. Like you yeah. had. To oh, have... that's a terrible comp- comparison. No, yeah, but I, I but, get but it, it, though. It makes sense. But I get it. it. But it, it isn't. Is. Yeah, like, yeah, it, it, is. I, it, it I, is. I get it, and and it's not me damning it with <laughs> comparison. But right. yeah, I think right. I think you're right. I mean, you got to bring out the soup Nazi. <laughs> yeah, and they did in yeah. fact bring out the Star Wars soup Nazi. No yeah. Sith for you. Right. <laughs> right. This does bring us to to some thoughts about. Threads that they left open, which is a weird thing in what is supposed to conclude the whole saga, Um, you know, where they could be going. What was it that Finn was going to tell her when they were uh, they thought they were dying in quicksand? Um, There seems to be some debate uh, about things that people are very certain that that it absolutely was. I read it as at minimum something to do with the fact that Finn is some version of force sensitive. Yeah. But they just didn't go into any of that. And right. it, the, it, it, it kind of wrapped around to something that I was kind of curious about because the movie, the movie's two hours and 15 minutes without credits and, and trailers and stuff. And it, it made me go, well, you introduced all these new characters. And if this is supposed to wrap up at least a chapter of their stories, it's it's weird that you would leave some of that stuff so vague when you would be so incredibly didactic about other stuff. Um, what did the rest of you read that to mean? What what was it that Finn desperately was going to share with her and just couldn't? Well, JJ definitively said he that uh, it was that he was force sensitive. Um, but yeah, I'd again, like to believe... I again I did I didn't do the reading. I just yeah, assumed. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, this yeah. was some panel he had done just maybe a few days ago a week ago maybe or something like that i could definitely um, definitively say what i don't think it was right <laughs> i don't uh, think he was gonna say i love you right and well, yeah, i don't yeah. think he was gonna say you were yeah. a palpatine right 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 yeah that that doesn't even <laughs> yeah i'm sorry uh for those of you who haven't listened to the first panel john Syracuse, you're totes wrong so wrong i, I will I die agree. on this hill if, if he agree. was gonna say that to her and she went you knew all this time and you didn't tell me, get the hell away from me. She, right. yeah, that would destroy their relationship. And it would mean nothing coming from Finn. She'd be right. like, who are you? You know, well, like, yeah. there's really? no how way you for know Finn You're my friend that still, at that point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like how but would Leia told him? Leia yeah. told him. Why'd right. she tell no. Finn? She told no. Finn? 
No. <laughs> she would tell Ray herself before she right. tells Finn. That Come on. Right. That's yeah. right. Uh, did, did Leia and Finn ever interact? Ever? Not much. Not that I can think of. Yeah, why would they? Maybe right. in maybe in Last Jedi. He was no, because he like was in the, the like the he was, water bags. He, he was recovering in the med oh, center. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And then she and then she was blown out of the ship. Right. Yeah, and then she <laughs> so, was recovering. And then she was in the yeah. water bags. <laughs> he was convalescing. He was convalescing. Then she was convalescing. Everybody they just was convalescing. Ships in the night, really. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So well, I think it would so be the, kind of like a like a rank jumping thing. Like yeah. Like she. He, I don't think Leia has much of a reason to talk to Finn. What you really need to do is is read, you know, my my tease with uh, with Leia uh, by Finn, uh, FN two one eight seven, the tie in novel that explains everything about their relationship. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, where they they uh, they got together over some afternoons, over some cookies, some teas, and yeah, there's there's just so much. But speaking of tie in material, where, where do we want to see these new generation characters go from here? Do you want to see them in movies? Do you want to see them in TV shows? Do you want to see them in cartoons? Do you want to see them in uh, Gogurt ads? I don't know. Um, in in what way do you want to see these characters that I mean they've merchandised like crazy? It's not like Disney is going to just go, ah, eh, we're done making money off of these. Uh, how do you want to see these characters used going forward? I just I want them to it, it, assuming that they are going to use them, which I mean, I think in an ideal world, they actually end it here. But yeah, you're right. I mean, there's there's, I think, little chance of that. Um, but in an ideal world, if they're going to be used, as, as I kind of said at the beginning, I feel like they should be done telling stories about these massive battles of good versus evil where the Jedi rise up against the Sith and whatever. Like, I, th- I feel like that's been done enough now. I don't want to see another set of movies where it's basically just that again. So if they're going to use these characters for anything else in the future, I hope they just go a different direction with it. I vote for another Ewok adventure. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We, I mean, we did get to see some Ewoks. Even we, we got did a to little see bit. Ewoks. Even how can you not say this is the Seinfeld finale of yeah. Star Wars films? They had two Ewoks. They had two Porgs. The chess yeah. game. Yep, the right. chess game. The Jawas. Well, they mean, were to the Jawas. Right, you we, got heard, we heard someone say Utini. <laughs> yep. We did. We heard the Utini. <laughs> yeah. That made me. I love that I, moment. I yeah. laughed. That was a good yeah. one. I remember being a kid and saying that all the time. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, Moises, you you pose uh, you pose this question, and David's right. I think that they're like what? Th- uh, yeah, I know it's, it's, it's bizarre. It's it's hard for me to say as well, but uh, but like we, it has. It's very been there, done that with the Sith, and you know, like how many times are is is this plucky band of uh you know rebel uh, misfits yeah rebel misfits going to defy the odds and beat the big bats that spawn up out of nowhere not once (laughs) not twice but a third you know but a third time um what i would love to see and since you since you asked the question and, and what i would love to see is one of two things um they have done a spectacular job. So, so the so the Disney once Disney purchased Star Wars, they the expanded universe that was popularized in, in literature by Timothy Zahn was was decanonized. But the one there's one character from uh, that decanonization that that survived, 
And that is Admiral Mithrandu, whatever. So Admiral Thrawn. Thrawn. Yeah. Thrawn. Um, who, who was it, who it, was recanonized partly through cartoons and also absolutely. in a new book that was and written a new book into a new into the new, new continuity. Yes, yeah. in, in into a new trilogy. Um, he is a marvelous character. Um, so it would be and and and, and in fact, they could easily basically make heir to the empire which was the book that started the expanded universe and turn that into a film with these characters um with you know with finn and ray and 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 uh and uh oscar isaacs was poe <laughs> um where uh thrawn was in the he was in the outskirts of the galaxy when the first order crashed and um, because they wanted to relegate him to to, you know, mop up duty for for whatever. And he has taken the, the remnants of the First Order and is now a a viable threat against this new new republic, the newer republic um, that has been formed by these guys. And that, that I think that could he could be a viable big bad for these for these characters and i'd love to see him on the big screen the other thing that i think they could do is revive a different character from the, from those from those trilogies of books from the original thrawn trilogy by tim zahn and that was a smuggler named talon Karad, who um had had his own, you know, smuggling network and, and did, and he was kind of like a, you know, he was an anti-hero. He was, you know, he wasn't necessarily, he, he, he had a lot of nuance to him, um, but he could easily just be the crime Lord. Right. And, and they're trying to figure out what's going on with, with him as a crime Lord, similar to how they had crime Lords in solo. So uh, those are two places that I think that they could take this next. On that note, some, something I think is an interesting opportunity here is after Return of the Jedi, there wasn't the opportunity to go, OK, so how do you rebuild after toppling an empire? How do you how do you build a new galactic order? Do you do things the same way that the New Republic did, which apparently did not prevent the rise of fascism again? Um, you know, do we do we get to follow uh, Kelly Marie Tran uh, leading a, a, uh, a like something like a like a Peace Corps that is out there doing relief work and trying to solve problems and just get running water for people and, you know, uh, stave off the bleeding in places that are hurting the most uh, in the wake of the First Order's fall, that kind of thing. Um, what what extensions of these characters of the Star Wars universe does uh, does everybody else want to see? Uh, Tiff? Um, I think back to that that final scene of um, uh, the previous one. Oh, Last Last Jedi. Jedi. Last thank Jedi. you, thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. where the you know you see the little boy who has those force powers. Right. Sure. Um, I would right. like to kind of see a rebuilding of the Jedi, but not as a we're rebuilding to conquer anything. More of we're rebuilding because people have these abilities and they don't understand them and there's you know someone who is able to unite them or help them understand their abilities and uh just like rebuilding that lore you know a little bit um and yeah i mean there are other evils in the universe that the jedi can help with or whatever but i don't know there's just something about the idea of that little kid 
that's that was left hanging in that previous movie and now we have something like Finn who has you know he's in touch with the force and and you have um Ray like I would kind of just like to see where that goes in more of a it doesn't have to be such an epic dramatic way um almost like where did the Jedi why were they around before there was all this chaos um you know, just where are they going now? Like, how are they changing? Kind of the modern Jedi. Well, they, before they were arguing in boardrooms with each other. Yeah, I don't want to see that. I don't know. <laughs> right, no, right. no boardroom arguing. More trade negotiations. No, we no, none Cicero's, of that. <laughs> Cicero's uh, Thrawn on the March. I've got my Rose Peace Corps. Uh, Tiff's Jedi Training Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, Marco, what, what do you want? What Ooh, do you want out of Star Wars? That would be such a good montage, too. A betterment montage with the training academy? Yes. Yeah. I love a good betterment montage. They'd be like the Mighty Ducks, but for Jedi. <laughs> I just don't really see them being able to go forward from here in a way that's good, that keeps these characters around and keeps telling their stories. Like Because, uh, you know, all these other ideas, these are great ideas, but... That's not what people want out of a Star Wars movie. You're saying let the past die with the with the past being last no, week. No, mini series, yeah. tiny movies, nothing <laughs> no, big, no like, big epic like movies when people, anymore. When people go see a Star Wars movie, what they want is a big space battle with good versus evil. Like that's what they're looking for. And I just I don't see how you can keep this going forward with these same characters in the same universe and and keep making stuff that's good now they can go off in different directions and do things like rogue one and solo we haven't even seen solo yet (laughs) stop telling all of our secrets dude like with rogue one like we saw rogue one i was like oh that was nice and then we immediately forgot about it and we haven't seen it since i liked rogue one yeah i liked it but it was you know it wasn't it was kind of outside of the thing and you know kind of forgettable well marco something you point to that i think i mean the climax of this movie you mentioned earlier uh how they just threw every spaceship that they could fit into a frame into this (laughs) And and in retrospect, it's something that I kind of like about it as a a storytelling choice where it's like, you know what? We're going to do the biggest, dumbest thing possible. So there's literally (laughs) there's literally no higher point that you can go to. We've already done it. Right. Which honestly, it's something that they tried to do in the prequels with the with the rise of the clones or whatever. Like they like they tried doing that exact same thing with that. And it, it was ridiculous then. And it seemed how could you ever be bigger than that? You know, and I mean, we, yeah, they blew up the emperor in this one. Right. Also. We're going to find new ways to right. get bigger and crazier. <laughs> and but yeah, like I, I do think that like part of the charm and and nuance of the original trilogy was that it was done on a smaller scale that you were dealing with you know it seemed like it was a big deal at the time but you were dealing with like much smaller things you know smaller number of people smaller number of ships small you know smaller um size of of the things that were being shown and and told uh with this when you're dealing with like the entire world worth worth of good versus evil and this huge scale this massive planet and all these you know what appeared to be hundreds of star destroyers and just being able to be conjured up at will and destroyed fairly easily by this huge number of people who somehow came out of nowhere uh like it just seemed it seems like there's nowhere good that you can go from here. Like just call this the end and move on. But unfortunately I also agree that that seems unlikely. David, do you agree with Marco? Do you want to just buy star Wars and bury it? Uh, kind of. And I, (laughs) and I say that enjoying the Mandalorian, but do I need the Mandalorian? No, not really. Yes. Stop. Um, Hush. (laughs) Hush. I mean, I can, I can see all kinds of Disney plus spinoffs and all kinds of potential, for things and you know 
why not? And they're going to do that. You know, I'd love to see a mini series about Lando going off to help Janna and let's make sure that everything's above board. And <laughs> yeah, um, they have a chaperone at all times. Have a chaperone at all times. <laughs> Chewie isn't doing anything. No. They can call and, it May, December. Oh. Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, I, I can see all these, all these kind of things they could do with it. But to me, I mean, the, the big difference between Star Wars and Star Trek to me was always that Star Wars was a giant saga this big epic story and it's a single big story and star trek is this episodic odyssey i mean it's literally the odyssey in space um of people just doing their jobs and and that's why it doesn't just have to be jim kirk right it's it's all these different series it's it's really nice i mean the big contrast here was when when force awakens came out i took both the boys they they were both like yeah let's go see it and when Last Jedi came out, I only took one. The other one didn't want to see it. And this one I went to see alone because they were more interested in finding out when Star Trek, the new Star Trek series were coming out because those are, quote, those are about something, unquote. Wow. And wow. I was like, wow, holy cats. Wow. Wow. So, you know, you guys are trying to appeal to kids. They want Picard and they want Discovery and they want- No, it's time for new kids. Right. <laughs> that's what, but, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like- we keep making new kids, so the kids want to see Star Wars, and and there are, uh, yeah, there are going to be some who want that, and there's right. some who want Marvel, and right. there's some who want Battle Beyond the Stars. God help them, but you know, everyone likes different things, and it's fine. That's why Disney World is so great. It's because yeah. you know it appeals to kids, and the kids in all of us. We keep making kids, so they keep making the same kinds of movies, and and you know they're kids still around for some reason um like your kids individually will grow out of that stuff but somebody else's kids won't you know somebody else's just has new kids on on the 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 philosophical front the big ideas side of things something that struck me the first time i saw it and and was was further entrenched the second time seeing it um were some of the philosophical things that got threaded in there and and it's almost like there is all of this window dressing there's all the scaffolding over top of some some simple but profound ideas, um, one being they win by making you think you're alone. Uh, there's more of us. Um, we had each other uh, and banding together in times of darkness to to find the light, to find the way to a to a better tomorrow and so on. Um, and I found that really, really compelling. And it's something yes. that on that second viewing that that did a lot for me in not worrying as much about a lot of the nitpicky kind of stuff. Those are great messages. And I loved that they, you know, for all I make fun of JJ for, you know, being unsubtle, I love that they hammered those in and they didn't belabor any of them. They actually did a nice job with all of those messages. It started making me feel a little bit uncomfortable a little bit because it, it felt like it was getting a little overwhelmingly very, very religious to me mm. um in some of the themes Fair but enough, yeah. in terms it, they are like the good parts of religion right like the <laughs> the the embracing mankind the the healing right. people even though you don't necessarily you know like the, the giving of um of healing that we're all in this together yeah like regardless of of where that like it seems that the snake is evil but it's not so i will still heal it you know like the, all of those things and um so i just i kind of personally had to let that go a little bit of the hang-ups of ooh, this is feeling a little bit like um lion the witch in the wardrobe where it's not really about <laughs> a lion is it <laughs> like but at well, the wait, same time I mean, wait what this, 
This is right. <laughs> this is this this series is about space religion, right? Yeah, the exactly. Force, the force is right. Mm-hmm. Well, the Jedi it's are Buddhism, right, like the, the texts and the yeah everything. Right, right, right. And, and, right. And I mean, for crying out loud, Anakin Skywalker is an is is uh, analogous with Jesus Christ. You know, like he was immaculately conceived. Well, um, I mean, it, as all of humanity, we really do only have one story, right? Like right, this is right. like the story. So, you know, wait, did um, Mary I, also die because she was sad? Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> As as we wrap up, I wanted to do kind of a lightning round, just real quick. Anything that that you particularly loved, hated, felt very strongly about that we didn't cover, uh, that you wanted to just throw out there uh, before we wrap things, um, Cicero. Um, you know, listen, the Seinfeld finale was not as bad as everyone thought. Um, it allowed you to remember everything that had come before it, all the things that you had loved and maybe not loved as much, but ultimately you loved it all um so they brought those back i think the rise of skywalker did exactly the same um i i will think of it fondly and it helped me to appreciate the last jedi even more tiff all right i have a i have a couple points i want to go through i love the cp3o uh comedy he i thought his comedy was on point um <laughs> i totally cried when i thought chewie died yeah uh big time and um let's see i love that they didn't gratuitously um kill all the festival people i was worried they were going to do that they show that cute scene I, with all the I kids i saw all those those child puppets and i got very nervous oh yeah. i know me too i thought they were just going to slaughter <laughs> them all so i'm really glad they didn't do that thank you very much no, no lucas didn't direct this one so it's fine <laughs> right right <laughs> <laughs> the horses on the ship was awesome i love the jam yes. their cruisers they aren't using cruisers it was that was very good um i love to crash death star uh ray climbing it like nathan drake that was fantastic uh, let's see and last but not least um let me pick my other favorite uh chewy's medal that was awesome um i love that he got his medal that made me really happy and oh, oh finally, that was his medal from a new hope yeah that oh, he didn't have he's like standing up there with all of them and oh, everyone else has a medal and he doesn't I'm <laughs> still for two twice i saw that movie i'm like what's this stupid medal <laughs> oh thank you tiff it's oh, true Leia wanted you medal. to have this you could sell it you could buy a house with right. it uh oh, whatever you need to do <laughs> wow. uh, take yeah. it back and give it to lumpy and itchy they'll love it <laughs> oh and i do want to mention that um i like the touch that um ray was able to use her uh palpatine powers for good in healing everybody but um she was strong enough to essentially bring ben back but ben wasn't strong enough to bring her back right. and but he used everything he had to do that for her so i thought that that was a, a really cool touch that like he wasn't mm. equally as powerful as her, but he managed to find in himself a, a way to bring her back. So I, I thought that that was a, a great touch. Um, and Ben's ow, of course, was great when he fell on stuff. <laughs> <laughs> when he jumped on the, on the biggest chain link of all time. Yep. <laughs> Marco. I've, I've said most of it. Um, I really just enjoyed the movie. I came out of it really just wanting to, talk about all the fun stuff and I wanted to immediately go see it again and those were feelings that I that I hadn't had uh, since The Force Awakens like I didn't have it with um, Rogue One or with Last Jedi and even though I, I did rewatch Last Jedi in the in the meantime and I developed an appreciation for it more afterwards but like when I had first seen it I didn't have that feeling whereas with Rise of Skywalker I really did feel 
same way I did with The Force Awakens of like, man, that was fun. What This was so much cool little stuff here and there. All these little lines. I laughed a lot. I cried a little bit. It was just a really good experience to go see this movie. I, I just enjoyed it from the point of view of just enjoying a movie without thinking too much about some of the little details of it. I just enjoyed it. And I'm, I think it wrapped it up as well as it reasonably could be expected to have wrapped it up. And I, I think it really capped the series well. And, and I, I hope this is it <laughs> because I don't want, I don't want it to get bad. Um, and I'm just, I'm very happy with it. I love star Wars. It must die. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Cause like they finally, they finally ended it on a nice note. <laughs> let's, let's not ruin it again. So yeah, I I really enjoyed it, and I can't wait to see it again. Speaking of not ruining things again, David? Hey, I liked a lot of things in this, okay? Um, We've touched on most of them. Uh, The one thing I haven't talked about, I love Poe Dameron's Infinity Scarf. I want one of those things. That that looks great. great. Um, And I just just love Oscar Isaac. Can can we just make Oscar Isaac the new Indiana Jones, please? I mean, seriously? Come on. Oh, um, it's too on the nose, though. But like, yeah, yeah, but there's but, nothing uh, wrong with that at Indiana yeah. Jones. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's exactly like Marco said. I one of the things I love about these is being able to talk about them, being able to pick them apart, being able to make fun of them, and still enjoying so much of each one. Yeah. Um, I did. I did appreciate Last Jedi more having seen this. Uh, although I liked it at the time. And there are, I mean, there are visuals in The Last Jedi that are still in my head. And I don't know that I'm going to have that from this. Like the throne room sequence, the battle in the sand, all that stuff. Um, I I don't know if there's anything in this that's going to stick in my head the same way. We'll see. But, uh, you know, J.J. did as good a job as he could. It's J.J. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I but I liked it and Harrison didn't point and he didn't scowl and that's you know if if nothing else a trademark ringing endorsement from David Lore. <laughs> uh for my part uh, Chewie's metal I I was like ah and then I started thinking about it just barely I didn't have to think much but I I, I was just trying to I was just trying to connect to to why I cared about it and then I went but wait is this supposed to be a medal that he got off screen or is this the metal he never got and i was very i was very confused as to why i was glad that i saw it and that's something that will kind of linger throughout bits of this <laughs> but that's true of all of the star wars movies i like uh there is something that doesn't entirely fit but i like it anyway and i don't care it's star wars it's dumb it's big crazy uh space serial stuff um, there's loads of, of fan service stuff that I really, really enjoyed. I loved seeing John Williams for a second. I loved seeing Wedge Antilles as the, as the gunner on the Millennium Falcon when, when Lando right. got back, um, you know, just little pop-ins like that. I enjoyed watching Greg Grunberg die as Snap Wexley. <laughs> um, not because I dislike Greg Grunberg, but because that's a cool thing to be is an X-Wing pilot who, who gets shot down in a Star Wars movie. Who has um, a name. Who has a name? He actually has a name. He's an actual person. Um, the 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 complaints and he was this of close to retiring. The complaints of there being too much fan service. Well, it's a giant space franchise, and the things that I liked the most about the Last Jedi were they were giving us new bits of language, new 
uh, tableaus, new feels for things uh, is something that we got a little bit of in this. We had horse things riding across a Star Destroyer. There are some cool set pieces Ah, and everything that. that I think often gets lost. Uh, and unfortunately so many of them are things that I saw in that first trailer and weren't complete reveals for me or surprises. I would have liked to have been surprised more. I probably should have gone full blackout and not even watched that trailer and known I was just going to see this and it didn't matter. Um, but at the end of the day, the the fact that there are three panels worth of people that in aggregate, I think will have ended up talking about this movie for, uh, almost seven hours. Um, it's its own says something says something, you know, we've got a trilogy to cap a trilogy of trilogies. Uh, and, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think it's great that there is something like this that we can all talk about in this way and have such fervently held opinions and feelings and things that we noticed that other people didn't notice and things that are, that reveal themselves upon future viewings. I guess uh, nothing remains other than to say that, hey, we beat the first panel. We we came in shorter than they did. <laughs> uh, so nothing remains but for me to thank our panelists. Um, the uh, the bigs dark lighter of, of the panel, Mr. David J. Lore. Uh, how, did, how did it feel to go down in flames? Um, uh, much better than usual. All right. Much better than usual. Cicero Holmes. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Moises. I can't wait for the episode 10 panel. (laughs) Not going to happen because they're not doing an episode 10. Marco succeeded in getting them to kill Star Wars, and that's why. Thank you, Marco. (laughs) It's all my fault. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, uh, last but not least, uh, The Incomparable's very own, among various other shows and various other networks and so on and so forth, Tiff Arment, thank you. I'm even in space. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Moises Chuyan. This has been The Incomparable. Thanks for listening.